we'll try to end maybe just a couple of minutes early so that we can head down uh, to the lower mire. Um, we have, so I, I, th I think it's good news. Uh, we'll be in the bigger room, which is like I mentioned, the bigger of the two rooms in the basement. So we'll be closer to the door um, and that's closer to the bathrooms? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Long term, we'll be closer to the yeah. bathrooms. Short term, yeah. we're closer to a, a bathroom. bathroom. Right. Um, no stairs. No stairs. Uh, you can park down there pretty close. Um, but we will also, um, I don't, have it, has anybody been over to Annex East here? Just, uh, you know, they have tables, they do tables. So they don't just do chairs, they sit at tables. So we will be sharing space with, with uh, Living Well, so we will have tables Sweet. in the future. So uh, so yeah, I, I think that's a good thing. Um, Chris Best is, is also working on the cushy chairs, is what he's calling them, um, which, you know, we'll take. Um, you know, I want to be sold out to the Lord, especially if my bum is comfortable. Uh, so that's, you know, that's good. Um, so I, I am excited about the move. We were talking uh, at pastors and subsequent staff meeting this week about, you know, approaching this as a family, approaching this as, uh, as we're giving birth to another fellowship, we're giving birth to, to, uh, to growing ministry, and sometimes that means you, you move rooms and, and you have to make, make do, but... Uh, you know, it's going to be rough the first few weeks, and I'm 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 not being trite on that. It's going to be unfinished. You know, there'll be two by fours exposed. There's going to be like temporary walls, the concrete floor. So we'll get there. We'll make incremental progress uh, in the work, the physical work. So don't let that hinder you. Uh, I actually think it'll be fun. I think it'll be something that we'll experience together. And the fact that we can use this room for high school and junior high, that room for a growing kid town, which is also um, part of the dynamic, like it's this is these are great problems to have, and really thank the Lord that that we did get the mire. So um, so excited about all that. Also excited to get back in our study of of Exodus, and um, you know we've. You know, there's a, at least a handful of visitors today, so I'll, I'll take a couple of minutes to, to just address our uh, our approach here. Um, so we've been going, working our way systematically through the book of Exodus, <coughs> but we're viewing Exodus through a lens of victory. Most people think of the book of Joshua as the book of victory, but they're without the without the victories that are experienced in the book of Exodus. There's no platform to possess the land. There's no platform for the fight that that is uh, that is coming. There's no platform for crossing the Jordan. Now, there's also obviously challenges associated with what goes on in the book of Exodus. We've seen. Uh, thank you. Uh, we've, we've seen a a good uh, number of those in the failures associated with the children of Israel. Um, so we are going to try to tackle the entire uh, chapter of Exodus 20 today. Considered breaking it down into two sections, but feel like uh, really was led um, that this, this is actually one big content or one big topic. 
as we've done our study, uh, so today it's victory and right relationship with the Lord, victory and right relationship, as is our custom or our, 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 our platform with the book of Exodus in this study, where we'll look at the situation that's in play, the struggle that is facing the individuals, mostly the children of Israel and its leadership, and then the victory that comes through that struggle. The first section in Exodus 20 is actually a fairly long section. It includes the Ten Commandments, but I would like to read them. So Exodus 20, start in verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, uh, for I, the Lord thy God, am, jeal- am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of of thy Lord, of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt, uh, or shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord thy God. In it, Thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, uh, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the earth, uh, heaven and the earth, and the, the sea, and all that, that uh, in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not cover thy wife's or thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So the situation is the Lord has to deliver, uh, is, you know, it knows in his wisdom and his omnipotence and uh, that he needs to deliver these principles, these commandments uh, to, to his people. So that's really our first point. The Lord knows his people. He starts this by saying, I brought thee out. Right? I am the Lord thy God, which have, in verse 2, have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I mean, we spent, we spent weeks, we spent months looking at the, tr- the turmoil, the trouble that the children of Israel had in the land of Egypt. And the Lord does an amazing work bringing him through the Red Sea. It's miraculous. It's, 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 it's mind-boggling, to be honest, the work that he did. And he says, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He does an amazing series of, of plagues, not the least of which the last plague, right? the death of the firstborn, the Passover protection. He brings his people out. He knows them. Yet in the relatively short time, a few months since that has happened, and this time, God has seen their repeated failures. 
they already have a lack of faith. They already are struggling to trust God for food and water and direction. They, they, they have already repeated. They've even wanted to kill Moses. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they've had, they, they see Moses as the lead. Moses needs to go through the process of listening to Jethro and, and making sure that he sets people in leadership, even though maybe he didn't fully trust them for that. So he addresses this first, if you will, with these Ten Commandments. And no, unlike, uh, I can't think of his name, it just dropped out of my head. It's a, it's a bit of a, the Ten Commandments, the, or the, uh, the History of the World Part 1. No, History of the World Part 1, Mel Brooks. Unlike Mel Brooks's account, there were not 15, uh, dropping one tablet, 10 commandments. That's not how it worked. God was complete. Thank you. You were with me. There were not 15 commandments. There were only 10. So the Lord does this and he sets boundaries for his people. Notice nine of the 10 are prohibitive or restrictive in nature. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Do this. Right? Um, They're generally prohibited. Well, obviously the, the one that's clear that is not prohibitive is honor thy father and mother, which obviously could have been postured as don't dishonor, right? But honor thy father and mother. They're generally prohibitive for a reason. This is to give the individual, give the children of Israel as an individual person the opportunity for a further relationship. So, spoiler alert, because you can read ahead, I am am not dispensing the word of God to you, you will know, you all are pretty sure there is a chapter 21 coming. Okay? Chapter 21 and 22 gets a little down in the weeds. Still praying about how we're going to work through that. But a lot of laws, a lot of guiding concepts. The It's really kind of the, the start of not the law of like how sacrifices are done, but how people interact with each other. So this is the start. This is just the opportunity for people to further their relationship. If, if, I had to, if I had to do a corollary to our ministry here, I would correlate it to COD. Okay? It's kind of the, the, the entry point. Now, the principles that I presume, if you've gone through COD, if you remember them, the principles at COD apply beyond the folks that finish discipleship today, right? I mean, those folks don't get all of a sudden to say, I made, Lord, the number one priority in my life, but now that I'm done with discipleship, I can do whatever I want. Like, that's not how it works, right? So we still, no matter how mature anyone is in the Lord, the principles of COD continue to apply, just like the Ten Commandments are kind of the first oracles, if you will, to use another Bible phrase, there's a lot more coming that we're going to refer to as the law, right? This is just the precipice. They are, they're, they're to, again, to give the opportunity to, to, uh, for a further relationship. Notice this last point. I know, know every, not everybody can see it. I think you have it on, on your page, though. These are not ways to connect with God. 
I don't get any closer with God by not coveting. You know what? I have yet to kill anyone. <laughs> yet. Right? <laughs> I'll, I'll just Amen. I'm going to emphasize yet. Right? I have yet to kill anyone. But it's early. I mean, the day. I mean, the day's hardly begun. Okay. Am I any closer to God today than I was yesterday simply because I didn't kill anyone? Did is there? Did I do something wrong? No, my Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, yeah. Thou shalt not kill. So. Wow. But I cannot get closer to God by not stealing. Are you tracking? Like, yeah. that doesn't get me closer to God. The only thing it can do is if I violate the commandment, I can distance myself from God. Is that, is that making sense? So I wrote down this. Avoiding getting cut on a knife, not getting burned on a stove, not putting metal in the microwave, not melting plastic in the oven, doesn't make me a chef. Okay? Not violating the Ten Commandments doesn't put me in a right relationship with God. It gives me the opportunity to have a right relationship with God. Okay? You tracking? All right. And this is, this is important. Now, the next, I think you have a chart on your page. Okay? This, this only has a couple fill-in-the-blanks. But I really want you to track the principle here as we go through this. So this is the Ten Commandments summarized. I, I would, if I had to type it, it would all not fit. So I, have, I will readily admit that I've summarized them. So this is the Ten Commandments listed. Now, in the Old Testament, <coughs> there's what I'm calling an inverse. I think that maybe is your first blank. The Old Testament inverse. Okay? So the corollary, or I'm sorry, the, the, well, the inverse, the opposite is actually what needs to apply to grow in your relationship with the Lord. So I can have no other gods before him, but still not consider God as, the, as, as important in my life. Maybe I haven't put anything else more important, but I am not getting closer to him. So the inverse of that is I need to put the Lord first. Are you tracking? Right, the second would not have to have no graven image. Well, I, because I'm gonna the the risk is I would worship that image or likeness, so I'm gonna worship him alone. I'm not gonna take the Lord's name in vain. I'm going to respect his name. I'm gonna remember the Sabbath. I'm gonna prepare for it and then rest, re- prepare for that day, and then I'm gonna rest in him. I'm gonna honor thy father or father and mother, and I'm gonna respect authority. I'm not just going to not kill, sorry for the double negative, but I'm going to keep alive. You know, there's principles in the Old Testament of, you know, respecting the life of your beast, right? The, a, a righteous man careth for the life of his beast. There's, there's reasons I should sacrifice even Jesus in technically the New Testament, but prior to his death, lays out the, the story of the Good Samaritan, it's the, the, the one who did it right, the Good Samaritan, was the one who kept alive. He didn't just not kill, right? right. 
not committing adultery or, or, or pursuing those things, that's staying faithful to your spouse, to the commitments you've made. Not stealing is being content. Right? That I can, look, I cannot steal, but maybe it's just because I'm not good at it. <laughs> you know? Hey, look over there. You know? Maybe I'm just not particularly good or I'm fearful of getting caught or the risks associated with, with, the, with, with the punishment of that. Like, we all have seen kids, maybe you have kids, and some kids are very, uh, like, uh, not aggressive, but, like, they, they don't fear consequence. <coughs> Other kids, and I was probably more like this, I feared consequence. So maybe I just don't steal because I fear the consequence. Does that make me a better, does that mean I'm more connected with God? No. It just means I'm more fearful of the consequence. Not to bear false witness, but rather to only tell the truth. Not to covet, so I should be satisfied with what the Lord's given, right? So that's the Old Testament inverse. You also have what I'm calling the New Testament validation. So again, the Ten Commandments on the left and the concepts, the same concepts actually, and I can give you the verses for these. We don't have time to go over them all. I do have them if you, if you want to see this. But all of the Ten Commandments are in fact validated as commands or, or encouragements or in some cases chastisements in the New Testament. They apply to us. Just like I said, COD still applies to a person that's been saved for 30 years and discipled, right? The Ten Commandments still apply in the New Testament, Okay. They technically were prior to the law, if you will, the, at least the, uh, the, the completeness of God delivering the law. So they are validated. All of, these, all of these phrases on the right are phrases from scriptures in the New Testament. You shall worship, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and, and him only shalt thou serve. Keep yourself from idols. The uh, name uh, be not blasphemed. I think that should be not blasphemed. Rest in him. Honor thy father and mother. We're not supposed to kill. We're not supposed to commit adultery. We're not supposed to steal. We're not supposed to bear false witness. We're not supposed to covet. All validated in the New Testament. And similar to the Old Testament inverse, we have the New Testament inverse. We should make him Lord as compared to just not having other gods. We should worship in spirit and in truth, according to John chapter 4. Not just not by a graven image. <coughs> so I got to take, I got to take, I think I've got time. I worked with a lady that was a pretty, fairly, man, they, they, I, something fun's going on over there. We should, <laughs> okay, on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Yeah! All, right. all right, that's fun. All right, so, all right, so, <laughs> so, in a while, I'll be driving home, and there'll be smelly fish in my car. <laughs> that's, um, that's not uh, a prank. That's just me. That's me. <laughs> that's me. Um, I worked with this lady who was a fairly devout, at least culturally devout Jew. Like, pretty strong. Like, she thought everything associated with winter was technically a tie to Christmas, and therefore she wouldn't, like, touch it. Right, so like, we wanted to put out a decoration that was candles, and she's like, uh, "That's Christmassy." 
I'm like, I'm pretty sure people use candles all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, she was having trouble selling her house. And she comes to me one day and says, so I'm, I'm having trouble selling my house. And I heard that the Catholics have this thing where if you buy this little statue, it's like a four-inch statue, and you bury it, I think maybe backward or upside down in your lawn. It's upside down. Upside down in your lawn. Uh, it's in that the it backyard will in the center. Okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Oddly specific. Upside down, center of your backyard, it'll help your, your house sell. So this woman came to me asking me to buy her this graven image that, like, to sell her house. Like, that's kind of crazy. But it's not that we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. I didn't know. I thought it was St. Mary. But anyway, or Mary no, or whatever. Right? I should, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Is it Peter? Yeah. You, Okay, amen, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> I'll tell him hi at the gates. Um, we're, we're not to, again, we're, it's not just that we should avoid taking the Lord's name in vain. What's our job? We're actually supposed to proclaim his name. Amen. You know, that's actually part of our job in the Great Commission. We're to rest in him. We're supposed to honor authority, not just father and mother, but pastoral uh, fathers in uh, faith, mothers in the faith, disciples. We're supposed to honor authority. We're supposed to give life. I mean, isn't that the, the point of <laughs> ministering to someone in the New Testament, right? We're helping him have eternal life or playing our role in that. We're supposed to stay pure as compared to just not committing adultery. We're supposed to give of ourselves. We're supposed to preach truth and we're supposed to sacrifice. So the New Testament in verse applies. So you can take that again. If you want the verses to support any of those, email me, grab me, we'll talk, and I can get that. So that brings us to this point. Keeping all the commandments? I mean, last time I checked, I'm pretty good at the, at the thing. I mean, do I have other gods before him? There's probably been seasons in my life where I've put my family before the Lord. There's been seasons in my life where I've put my career before the Lord. Right or or times when I've put my flesh before the Lord, like there's things that I've had other gods, right? But I feel like He convicted me and and course corrected and and I got that right. And and I, I don't take time to go through all these, but but I even you know I, I was I've honored my father and mother, right? I'm, I'm <coughs> haven't I stole some candy once when I was a kid before I was saved, but. You know, generally, I've, I've kept them. So up walks this dude to Matthew or to uh, Jesus in the book of Matthew, and he says unto him, well, he actually calls him, you know, Lord, and, and uh, he says, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep, keep the commandments. And this man responds, and he says, uh, Which? Which commandments? And Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder... Don't, don't kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, the last time I checked, that last one actually isn't one of the Ten Commandments. Also, he doesn't list all the commandments, right? So the man doesn't certainly doesn't need to correct Jesus, but he doesn't say, well, I've kept those and all the others. He's like, the man saith unto him, All these things have I kept up from my youth. I mean, whatever you called me out on, 
I've kept. <coughs> and Jesus saith unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So in fact, he does have gods above Jesus, above the Lord. It's his possessions. So Jesus is actually skips, thou shalt have no other gods before me, because he knows he's going to call the question in this one. If he had said to the, you have no other gods before me, that young man might have said, well, I don't have any other gods before you. But actually he did. What his possessions, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions, was his God. So victory principle number one, understand you will violate one of the commandments at some point. I'm dealing with this with my son right now because every time we see a sports car, that kid is coveting. <laughs> every time. What's he like? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, if it looks cool, if it looks like it's going to go fast, the boy wants it. He, we looked up one. I, I kid you not, we looked up one, and it was like a two hundred thousand dollar car. Oh my god! Right, 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 right. right. Well, I, I want it. Well, okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. You will violate the commandments. You will violate one of the commandments. Some of them are easier to trip up on than others. So the struggle. So the struggle. Now this is the part where I, I kind of consider just doing the Ten Commandments as a lesson and then the rest of the chapter is another lesson. But the Lord made it abundantly clear to me I needed to tie these together. Because the struggle that's going on happens from verse 18 to 21. And all the people saw the thunderings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. They actually saw God moving, right? And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, You speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. I, honestly, if you would have asked me what was the next thing that happened after the giving of the Ten Commandments, I probably would have mentally jumped over to, uh, to Exodus 21. The rest of this story, the rest of this passage, rather, is very interesting to me. Because right after God gives them some parameters by which to establish a good relationship, they see him moving, and they're like, we don't want any of that because we might die. Why? Because they knew their relationship with God was insufficient. They knew their relationship with God was insufficient. So, people saw God, saw God moving. They removed and stood off, and they wanted a human intermediary. Okay? 
Now, there's something in us that wants an intermediary, a mediator between us and God. This is actually one of the core concepts of most false religions, is they want to interject a person between you and God. And my question to them, if we're having the debate, is who is the intermediary between that person and God? If there's always got to be an intermediary, who granted that person, almost always a guy, that dude, that position? Well, I have an intermediary between me and God, the man Christ Jesus, and he earned that right through his birth, his his sinless life, his death on the cross, and, and overcoming the grave, right? He's earned that right to be the intermediary. But there is something between us that, or in us that wants, just like verse 21, and the people stood off, or I'm sorry, uh, in verse uh, 19, and speak thou with us, we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we, lest we, uh, lest we die. We have trouble as a people <laughs> connecting with God. Why? Because we know we're insufficient. We know we're insufficient because we can't even keep the Ten Commandments, let alone 15, (laughs) right? We can't keep the Ten Commandments that are pretty straightforward, that don't really set the bar very high in a relationship. So they know, as soon as they've heard these Ten Commandments, almost like this premise, well, who can be close to God? Moses can be close to God, because if we get close to God, we're going to die. And there is not necessarily truth in it, but an understanding and a respect of the situation. Because if we do approach God in our sin, we're not going to last, right? We're not going to survive. So I, there's this, there's this uh, little graphic that I put, put up here, and I think you have three boxes. We hate to sin, but do it, right? According to Romans chapter 7, that which I do, I would not... And that which I would not, I do, right? And there's a, a lot more to that in that passage, but, but um, and, I, and I failed to copy these over, so forgive me for just a second. Um, does anybody want, how, how about this? Somebody grab uh, Psalm 119.5 real quick. So somebody grab Psalm 119.5, somebody grab Genesis 3.8, Somebody grab Jonah 1.3. Somebody grab Isaiah 1.18. Somebody grab Micah 7.18 and 19. Okay. So we hate to sin but do it according to Romans 7. What's said in Romans chapter 119, or, or uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 119 verse 5. Anybody there yet? Yeah, I got it. Go. Oh, that my ways were directed keep thy statutes. Right. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep the statute. My ways as a man are I'm going to fail. We hate to sin, but we do it. Okay? And then the common relationship or the common result, rather, of that is that we withdraw from God. Genesis 3.8. Somebody? Yeah. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. From the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Right, so they hid themselves. Jonah 1 3. Yeah. Then the Lord said to Jonah, Get up, go to the 
But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Right, so literally Jonah, Jonah like buys a ticket to get away from God. So we pull back from God, we run away, but then God always makes a path of restoration, a path of reconciliation in the relationship. Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Amen. So he makes a way. He's like, let us reason together. I'll figure out a way. Trust me. I'll figure out. I will provide myself a lamb, right? I will figure this out. The Lord loves us enough to resolve the conflict. Micah 7, 18 and 19. Anybody? Uh, They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear before because of thee. Who who is a God like unto thee that uh, pardoneth iniquity and passeth uh, by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. I literally, when I read that, when I was preparing this and I read that, who, there is no God like our God who is literally willing to forgive. Yeah, right. Literally willing to take on sin himself to restore our relationship with his creation. Only one. So, So victory principle number two. There is always a way back to a relationship with God. Always. I don't care what you've done. There is always a way back. The children of Israel wanted that through Moses. It seemed pretty natural to them. They feel like Moses could stand in front of God. Therefore, he must be holy and righteous enough. He must live by the Ten Commandments. So we'll live through him. Not exactly right, but I get it. Certainly a picture of things to come in Christ. But here is the victory. Here's the, the last part. Exodus 20, 22 through 26. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I've talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with, uh, with me gods of silver, neither shall ye uh, make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. Mince is a love note. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. So so we'll we'll talk about the, the, the elephant in the room in just a second. But notice, the tabernacle altar was not yet given. That's going to happen in Exodus 27. So there's not an official altar yet constructed for the nation of Israel, for the children of Israel. They don't have an official altar. That will happen in a fairly short, in fairly short order. So prior to the tabernacle, 
or the altar being built, there is an amazing theme in Scripture that we cannot avoid. I think I've listed the, the verses, but they're on the screen, and you will see it. Genesis 8.20, Noah builded an altar. 12.7, there he builded he an altar unto the Lord. 12.8, and he builded an altar unto the Lord. 13.4, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. Genesis 13.18, and built there an altar unto the Lord. And 22.9, and Abraham built an altar there. 26.25, and he builded an altar there. 33.20, and he erected an altar. 35.1, and make an altar. 35.3, I will make there an altar. 35.7, and he built there an altar. 17.5, and Moses built an altar. Now you say, well, okay, well, duh, Mitch, because there wasn't one. Every time somebody had to worship, they had to build one. Exactly. Exactly. And the Lord is putting parameters, and he says very clearly, if you're going to do this, you make it out of earth. So pile up some, some dirt, and you're going to sacrifice on that. Or you can build it out of stone, but don't you cut that stone. It's actually a picture of Christ. But don't you cut that stone. Don't hew that stone. Because it's not about the effort in the altar. It's about the sacrifice. And don't you dare build something that takes steps, i.e. a pyramid or things that we've seen all across the world in different, different um, you know, nationalities, people groups, all over the world. What do they do? They build something with steps to reach God. And what does that, what's still left? The work of their hands. Mm. The sacrifice is long gone on those things. But they have left a monument to their effort. Now, there's got to be some effort. <laughs> there's got to be a desire by the person to restore the relationship. But it's not about the altar. It's about the sacrifice. Man's tendency is to do more than is necessary. We see this all the way back in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. Right? Cain was mad because he put all this work into the fruit of the ground. And you don't want that, God? Well, actually, I want you to trust me. I want something to die for this sin, like Abel's. <coughs> Man will put the attention on himself. He will make a big deal about the altar and not about the sacrifice. In studying this out a little bit, you can go, you can get on a plane, we'll say today, you can get on a plane, you can fly to, to Israel, you can drive to Jerusalem, and you can go to the place where Jesus, was, Jesus died. You can go and there are all sorts of, I don't know if, if the right word is amazing, but are ornate, intricate, majestic, with respect to man's efforts, things. Like there's this, like, I saw this one that was like, this just amazing, like, it was like every square inch of this thing had like some jewel or some cross or something. It was like, it was like, whoa. It reminded me, you know what it reminded me of, honestly? Like, and this is your second movie reference of the day. 
Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. Like, it doesn't need to be all that stuff. It just needs to be the simple cup, right? So, we tend to overcomplicate worship. We tend to want it to be about our, our effort. And we put the emphasis on the altar instead of the sacrifice. We want to define the rules of engagement. But, victory principle number three, there is an altar of earth and unhewn rock built by God that he sacrificed his lamb on. And it's Golgotha. I don't know if you can see the skull in the lower right-hand corner. The eyes kind of and the nose kind of pop out there. This is a picture of Calvary. Now, it's a little aged because they've removed the antenna and the very small monuments. There's actually now a wall built on top that you can walk on, and it's actually done some damage to the, to the rock facade. I, I wish I had more time, or time to edit, because if you pan out on this picture in the lower right hand, who's, has anybody here been to? What's, what's, does anybody know, remember what's right here? A bus station. Like, literally, just out of this picture is the back of buses. It's like this non... It's not a big deal. Mm. Now, they made it a little bit bigger of a deal uh, because you can go up... Have you, did you get to go up on top? Did you... Was that... No. Because that's a relatively... That, but you could, they didn't let us go Yeah, so top. now there's actually a, a pathway and you can actually go up is what it looks like on top. So, God, God did just fine. With his rock, with his unhewn rock and his, his mound of earth that will receive his sacrifice. Like, we don't need to add to that. He did just fine with it. So, this altar of earth and unhewn rock doesn't bring the attention, shouldn't bring the attention. I mean, we can respect it, but I don't need to go see it every day to live for Christ. I don't need to go worship there to be the only way to get to Christ. Like, It'd be, it'd be gravy on top. I want to not mix my metaphors. It's either gravy on top or cherry. I don't suggest cherry on top of gravy. It doesn't seem like it goes together. Okay? But the focus is not on man's work. It's on a man's work. It's on the sacrifice. So please, when you think about the commandments... God was very clear. He said, I need you to abide by these so that we can have a basis of relationship. We can come together. We can reason together. I'm a forgiving God, but there's going to have to come a sacrifice. There's going to have to be a payment for your sins. And it's a beautiful payment. Now, chapter 21 and 22, it's, I mean... I'm looking forward to what the Lord gives me because I'm not sure how this is going to go next week. <laughs> you should be praying about that because there, it gets a little weighty. It's a little heavy. There's a lot of nuance. But I don't think it's any, uh, any coincidence that he ties the sacrifice to the commandments. Okay, let's live in light of that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your grace. Uh, Lord, you are truly sufficient. Thank you for making a way. Thank you for uh, loving us enough 
Thank you for caring for us and seeing us within our frame, for knowing our, our ways, for knowing our being, and yet still loving us. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing to me. Help us never to be more focused on the altar than we are on the sacrifice. Thank you for being that. Thank you for, even in the book of Revelation, John recording that he saw the lamb as it had been slain. Thank you for bearing the marks of our sin and that we don't have to. It's truly uh, inspiring. It's amazing. It's awesome. It, I, I, I literally can't put enough words around it. Thank you for being a good and loving God. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so here's what we're going to do.